greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Um, it's a great day to be alive. And yesterday we were reminded of that, that, that life is short. It, is, it brings a lot of changes. And life doesn't always go the way that, that you expect it to. We were in a funeral for an eight, or he was actually a 20-year-old lad that their mother had been a family friend of ours and I'm not going to go down that road it's a long story probably if you'd have somebody that would be interested in writing the narrative um, it could be one of the New York bestsellers I mean I'm it's an interesting and a sad story um, but to make a long story short um, the dad had died probably four or five years ago. The mother was very, yeah, she, she wasn't much of a mother. Had rejected him. I mean, there's there's rejection involved. There was infidelity involved. There was, if there was something to be lying, cheating, whatever else, um, they were involved in it. And it, and it was just, it was just terrible. And here comes, here comes this 20 year old um, lad and he had two younger siblings and um, he, he's actually the mentor for the rest of the family he was the glue that held the family together the church the church chipped in and did very well and in, in uh, maintaining the relationship with them and um, you know you look at it and you say God why did you allow this to happen you know Joy and the rest of the siblings really needed this child or this young man in their lives in order to hold this thing together. And I got started thinking about it um, after I lost my my uh, oldest brother in a farm accident. There was someone that that um, sent this poem to Dad, and I never learned it by heart, but I I thought I could almost quote it by heart. Um, just simply because I heard dad saying it so often and it and it really meant something and and after um, After a while it does kind of make an impact on you as well and you enjoy it and it and it makes a difference in your life as well um, And it's it's so easy sometimes to think that you know God you messed up this time You know you didn't you didn't handle it correctly but I think this poem sums it up fairly well, and, and it goes like this. Sometimes we come to life's crossroad, and we view what we think is the end. But God has a much wider vision, and he knows it's only a bend. The road will go on and get smoother, hopefully. And after we've stopped for a rest, the path that lies hidden beyond us is often the path that is best. So rest and relax and grow stronger. Let go and let God share your load. And have faith in a brighter tomorrow. You've come to just a bend in the road. And I think that that's something that we need to realize. The things that we look at today and face today doesn't mean that that's, that's the end of the road. It's, it's a bend in the road. And sometimes it's, it's just making preparations for things that are going to become greater and, and better for us. <clears throat> I did appreciate the young man's last words to his family was, be faithful. And um, I thought if I have time at the end, I might go ahead and read 
the account that his younger brother had given um, to go along with the be faithful. Um, the last sermon that I, had, that I had preached was regarding leadership and, and the need that, that we have for our brothers and sisters to hold us accountable, to help us tear down our idols that are consuming our churches, the groves that are growing in our churches today. And today, um, I decided that I'm going to talk about what I consider one of our idols that we're facing today. And, and, and if you think that I've got this all figured out, I, when I was preparing for it, it felt like I was looking down the barrel of the gun myself. I mean, it was not, it, it wasn't pretty. And my, my text is going to be taken out of Luke 12, um, starting in verse 15 and reading to verse 21. And um, I think that that's, that is something that I think that too many of us can relate too well to. Um, I think in our Amish and our Mennonite heritage that we've been raised with, sometimes, sometimes uh, our finances are possibly more important than some of the other things that, that, that we view or should be. There's things in our lives that should be considered much more important than our finances, and I sometimes believe that we get that mixed up and, and, and it's not real. I mean, it's not real enough in our lives what God actually is. I looked up a definition of idols, didn't like anything that I, that I saw, and I decided, well, let's go with idolatry. And, and I like that definition. I think that's what, that's what I was looking at. It says, idolatry is anything that you love, treasure, prioritize, identify with, or look to for fulfillment outside of God. That's not something that um, I would be guilty of, surely not. There's a, there's a saying, a quote, that I think possibly might, I might be able to identify with more than, than I want to be, than I want to admit. There's a quote that says, make all you can, can all you make, and sit on the lid. You know, don't let it get away from you. That's, that's pretty important. You don't, you don't want to let that money, that, that, that savings that I worked hard on, there's no way that it should be allowed to get away from me unless it's something that I think that could maybe further my, my possessions. But let's, let's read in Luke 12, 15 to 21. <clears throat> and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
So what's the moral of this story? Shouldn't be a good farmer. It's, um, if you see the need to keep building bigger, um, God's going to consider you a fool. I don't, I don't really think that that's what it was indicating at all in this passage. So, so what is the indication? What is the purpose? What is the, what is the problem that we're facing with today? What is, this, what, what is the moral of this story? And I, I, was, I was pondering about this, and um, the, I, I wrote down, I jotted down a couple of things that I consider what the man's problem was. And part of it was selfishness, I believe. Part of it was greed, failing to give uh, glory to where glory was deserving. I mean, I, I believe that that's something that, you know, he might have looked at himself and said that, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good farmer. I've got this thing... I got this thing together, you know. There's nothing that can can destroy what I've got going on. But I think God saw that this man's heart wasn't right, and he needed to have this thing brought into under control. I have um I've got a a not a King James version verse for for verse 19 that I would like to read, and I think that it'd be one that we could probably relate to. Well, it so, says, um, Soul, that has a good deal of savings in your 401k plan. You've got a great health plan and a nice home. So relax and take your ease. Go golfing, go fishing. You know, go travel to some exotic, exotic locale, you know, and eat a steak every night. Um, for the rest of your extensive life. And I, I believe that that's something that too many of us, there again, can relate to way too well. And what, what should I do to, um, to not have that happen? Is it wrong to make money? It's absolutely not wrong to make money. I think that it's, it's important that we make a, make a living, work with your hands so that you've got to give to the, to the poor, to the people that are needy. But what is my attitude towards, towards my finances? Um, um, what is the correct attitude, I should say? From the pen of John Wesley, he says, earn as much as you can. And this starts out as a lot like the, um, the, the canning, making all you can, can all you make. But he says, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. And I think that that's something that, that when we're looking out for the needs of our, our fellow brethren and, and sisters, and not only that, for the community around us. We're looking for, for needs around us. We're not looking into self. We're, we're, we're looking out and saying, hey, what are the needs around us? Um, yesterday, as we were traveling home, we got to listen to, to the pineapple, pineapple stories, uh, auto Caney? Coney, yeah. And, you know, he felt like an abject failure. You know, he wasn't learning the language the way that, that he was supposed to be. He should be, you know, he should be learning the language, and, and the mission board is, is really not doing well with his, with his abilities at all. And all he's doing is fixing other people's junk. 
this is a bad deal. I mean, he's going to be embarrassed if people find out that he's fixing people's junk. I mean, this, this mission board better not find out. In the end, he was, basic, he was building relationships. And I think that's, what's, that's what we need be needing to do. Are we building relationships with our money? Are we, are we um, you know, are we, well, or are we out there so intensely following our financial pursuits that we forget that there are needs around us? Um, are, we, are we so intent on, on building our little empires around us that we forget that there's relationships? And I'm not talking about that there's only, there's relationships within the church. And I do believe those are very, very important. But even outside our church, Outside our brotherhood, I believe that we've got relationships that need to be furthered as well. And sometimes that puts us out of our comfort zone, and sometimes that even puts us into positions that we wonder, you know, what is the best way to help here in this situation? Um, sometimes I think that when we look at a situation, we see this homeless person out on the street, we think, I was like, ah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not helping him. He, he's all he's going to do is going to be he's going to be spending it on on alcohol the next chance that he gets or he's going to be buying tobacco. Do we take the time to sit down and visit with him, find out what his needs are? Um, or are we it's easier for us to soothe our conscience and give him a dollar bill so that it's like, well, I helped him out. Um, there's. You know, when I, was, when I was preparing for this, this message, I mean, I could go anywhere that I'd want to with it. I mean, there's so many, time can be an idol. Um, and Dina can tell you in no uncertain terms very quickly that Norman is a hog of time. I mean, he, he, he's gotta have his time. Um, and if, you know, if he runs out of time, he gets cranky, you know. That's, that's a relationship that needs to be worked on. It's, it's, it's an idol that needs, to be, that needs to be destroyed. It's a grove that needs to be pulled down. And, and, and brothers and sisters, we're here to, to hold each other accountable for that. <clears throat> I had a friend that I talked with very recently. And I was shocked. He almost said it with, with, a, with a, a pleased look on his face. He says, my life is controlled by my business. Really? That's sad. And I think what he was indicating, I don't think that he was, uh, he, he, he was saying that service is something that he is striving for. Um, I don't, I hope that that wasn't what he was intending to do, was that he was saying that it, it, it's all consuming. But it almost felt like that was, that was, you know, he, he overlooks the needs of the employees. He overlooks the need of his family. He overlooks everything except providing service for, for the community or for whatever. And it's hard to find that balance. There's a lot of noise around us sometimes. It's, it's hard. But I do think that, that we, need to keep, uh, we need to keep the reality of life. We need to keep that first. We need to keep God first in our lives because I think God... God knows our hearts, but I think sometimes even, even um, we don't know or understand ourselves the way that we should. 
I appreciated it. I had a friend in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and some of you have heard that story before already, but he was a, he was a person that, um, he was not a wealthy person by any, by any means or any shape of the imagination, but he had this, he had this propensity where it seemed like if someone was, you know, if there was someone that needed to be taken advantage of, Walt Hess was the one that got taken advantage of. And, and he did it all with a smile on his face. And, and it seemed like he could go out, onto the, out shopping for something and he got taken advantage of when, when he would uh, come back from a pawn shop, he got taken advantage of. And, and one day he came back and every time he'd declare, this is the last time that that's gonna happen. And, and one time he came back and he, I said, well, Walt, what kind of good deals did you get today? And he said, oh, you won't believe this. He said, I was at this filling station and he said there was this guy with a skill saw there. And he said that, uh, you know, brother, he said, I, um, I, I ran out of gas and I need, I need money to put gas into my vehicle. And he said, I've got the skill saw here for sale. I'd like, to, I'd like to sell it to you for 20 bucks. Would you have a 20 bucks that you could spare? To, I'll give you the skill saw. <laughs> well, it goes, well, does it work? He said, oh, yeah, there's a plug-in over there. You can plug it in there if you want to check it out. And Walt said, well, I really don't need another skill saw. Well, he said, would you give me 10 bucks for it? Walt said, yeah, I'll do that. So I said, does it work? He says, I don't know. We're going to find out. He took it over there to the plug-in, and he plugged it in, and the saw went, you know, and it made a lot of funny noises, but it didn't go around. <laughs> and my friend and I stood there, and we laughed till we had side ache, and it's like, oh, Walt, you got taken again. And Walt made a comment that day that I really appreciated. He said, I would rather give where I shouldn't have given than being guilty of not giving where I should have. And I think that's, that he had his, he had his um, heart in the right place. I, you know, we do mess up sometimes. I think sometimes that we can, we can enable a person where it would be better that he wouldn't be enabled. But I also believe that sometimes for the sake of, well, <laughs> we don't want to get rid of any money. And so therefore, uh, no, nah, he's going to use it on the wrong thing. So we're not going to give it. <clears throat> Another friend of mine. Um, talked about, she said, giving makes me feel good. Does it? It should. I think, I think giving makes a person feel good. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that it's, it's something that um, we, can't, we can't give too much of ourselves, I don't think. Let's uh, I want to be careful how I say that. I, I don't. I think that we're in today's society. We're much more. We're much more careful about giving too much than not giving enough. Um, we, we um, somehow in our lives we believe that you know we want to be good stewards, and I, I do. I do endorse good stewardship because I. I think that that being a good steward. Is something that God wants us to be and it's important but I think that we want to also be very aware of the needs with without 
without the church and within the church as well. And, and in order to know about those needs, we have to build relationships with people. And, and it doesn't, and that was the other thing. I mean, Otto, he says, you know, all I do is I fix other people's junk. He felt, he felt like this wasn't doing what God wanted him. He wanted to have a mission church that is really alive and well and hear all he's doing. He's being out there and he's, he's, he's just fixing other people's junk. That's not what God called him to do. Yes, it was what God called him to do. It was building relationships. When they saw Otto getting angry when the pineapples all disappeared and when he thought that he was running out of time fixing other people's junk, oh, Otto's not a Christian. He's an angry white man. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what some people see in our lives as well, I'm afraid. <clears throat> um. There's another thing that we sometimes look around us and we say that, well, Lynn has got the ability to give more than I do. So therefore, I shouldn't give. I mean, I should actually talk to Lynn and see if he couldn't give more, kind of make up for my slack. Is that the way that we understand the scripture? I believe when you read uh, the account of the widow and, and her two mites that she put into the offering, the, into the alms, it, had nothing, it has nothing to do with the amount. What does God see in our hearts? Does he see a, a person that is, is cheerfully giving um, because he sees a need, because that he's willing to make a sacrifice for, for other people? <clears throat> And then there's, there's the other thing is, is that we can't give. God didn't bless us with anything, therefore we can't give. Is that the way that we understand scripture? I don't think so. Uh, the, the story of Elisha and there again, the widow, um, he was out there gathering up sticks, or she was out gathering up sticks. And he asked her, he said, could you bake me some bread? Or I, I should have reviewed this before I, before I just shoot from the hip here. Uh, could, could you make me a, a cake and, and get me some water and then um, I'll be good to go? And she said, hey, all we got is, I, all I got is a little flour and a little bit of oil. And once that runs out, I'm done. I, and my son and I are going to eat that. So, you know, and he said, well, just make it, you know, he sounded pretty selfish. He sounded a lot like me. He said, well... Why don't you take care of me first? That's, you know, that'd be nice to do to visitors um, rather than just going ahead and eating it yourself. Wouldn't you feel kind of selfish? No. He just said that, well, make it for me, and then, then your pot will never run empty. And she did. And you know that, and, and Keith preached a sermon on that a number of months or years or I don't know how long ago it was, and, and he, had this, he had this picture the water just kept on coming out of it, or oil. In this case, it would have been oil, you know. Um, it was a miracle. And I believe that God can pro still provide for our needs today. <clears throat> a friend asked a question. He said, if, if God gave you a five million bucks, if somehow some rich relative of yours or, 
or you know, just by, by good planning or whatever. God gave you five million bucks. Would that change your outlook on life? Would that, would that change who you are? I ask that to every one of you brothers and sisters today. Would that change me? Um, I don't know. I hope not. It better not. I don't think if, if you're the, the man of God that God wants us to be, I don't think that money, any amount of money, should, should allow me uh, to uh, take my focus off of who God is. Just because I have that ability to spend, just because I have that ability to give more than I ever had before, but I'm still willing to hold back. There was this story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they had that ability that they could have given that whole, that whole chunk of, of money that they got for the land. They could have given it to, to the ministry right away, and they were welcome to keep it. But it was the, the, whole, the whole thinking that we're going to make them think that we're sacrificing all of our, all of our money to the poor. That was what got them into trouble. It wasn't that they, you know, well, the apostles really needed that money. And so therefore, we didn't get the money that we thought we were going to. We'll strike you dead. That'll take care of it. We'll, we'll have it in inheritance. <clears throat> um, and then also, there another thing that, that a quote that I read, it said that most of us are afraid of poverty. And I don't think that any of us like to like to think of being you know, not knowing where our next meal is going to come from. Where, you know, that's, and especially if you have a family. Um, I mean, Dean and I could probably survive fasting for a week, you know, and, and be okay. But what about if you have family, if you have children that are growing up and, and they're hungry, and there's no way of maintaining that or providing for that. Um, that really, you really don't like that feeling too well. But this quote said that we should be more afraid of wealth than we should be of poverty. And I, when I was thinking about that, I think, I think that's the truth. Um, I think wealth has, has decimated many, uh, many a fine Christian man. <clears throat> uh, in Matthew 6, 20, it says, uh, reminds us not to lay up transient treasures, money that, that the thieves can steal and that, that rust can get to and that moths corrupt um let's let's go for a treasure i i just want to encourage you today let's pursue after treasures that are that are um way more more um pertinent in today's life this morning for our, our devotional as we're marching through our, the bible i i enjoyed in in first corinthians 4 um, 18. It says, While well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are seen are eternal. And I believe that that's something that we need to get our focus on the things that are, that are going to be around for the long haul. What are we, what are we looking, why are we, why are we pursuing the financial things that we are? Are we doing it for the betterment of, of man? Are we doing it for the betterment of uh, community? Um, are we doing it for the betterment of our, our family? Do we have a vision for the family? 
Is, or are we doing it because, well, financially, it's the best thing that I can do today. Um, and, you know, we do want to provide for our families. We do. And, and, but I, in the end, I still think those are questions that are good to ask. <clears throat> so, so what are some questions I can ask to make sure that I stay focused on God? Is my occupation an asset to the community and family and most of all to God? Is the way that I spend, is it teaching my family and community good stewardship? Then am I willing to give of my time and finances until it hurts? Are there certain portions that God can't have? And there again, Otto Koning, he was, he was pretty intent on that. His children got sick. You know, he held on and he held on. They'll finally say, hey, God, they're your children. I'll give them to you. And when he did that, there was a certain amount of release that came with that, I think. There was a certain amount of peace, whatever happens. And why can't we do that willingly instead of waiting until we see that it's going to get taken away from us anyway? And so therefore, now, God, you can have it. Um, let, um, let's turn to 1 Timothy 6. Read verses 6 to 10 in closing. I think that's a good way of, of ending up this diatra bay. I um, mean, I don't think it necessarily it's a diatra bay. I mean, I think it's a, it, it's a sermon that, that needs to be had. I think it's a, a grove that needs to be torn down, a, and, and it can be an idol, too. Um, and some of, some of us might not have that much of a problem with it, and then there's others that are going to struggle a lot more. First Timothy 6, um, verses 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. As that, as that casket disappeared into the ground yesterday, you know what? He didn't take a thing with him. It, it's all here. It's only the things that, that he did while he was here that are going to remain. For we brought, um, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Everybody have food and raiment? We all content? Some days, aren't we? But they that will fall that will be rich, fall into temptations and a snare. It doesn't say they that are rich. It says they that will be rich, fall into temptations and snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So let's try to remember that in the next, next weeks, the next months, the next years. Let's be um, good and faithful stewards of what God has given to us.